Mm-hmm. Welcome to Diary of an Ex-Ho. I'm Sherry Hardman. I'll be your ex-ho. Today's guest is Orchid Cameron. So sit back, enjoy the show, and remember the old saying, always a bridesmaid when you're a hoe. All right, state your name for the record. <laughs> uh, my name is Orchid Cameron. <laughs> You don't even have to tell the truth, no. <laughs> so uh, we met at Zoom, doing Zoom comedy together, correct? Yeah, during, yeah, we during met the pandemic. Zoom. Yeah, I think we met in like a flapper show. Oh, yeah. A flapper yeah. show or a Zoom oh. open mic, something like yeah, that. I'm, yeah. I'm located in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Cool um okay. are, are your parents together or were they together when you were growing up uh yeah that's a good question so it's actually an extremely complicated answer so my my parents have been together since they were 14 years old okay. so my parents have been together since they're 14 year olds so these two they got in a fight my mom was with somebody else one time and then they got back together so I have a different father than my siblings, but okay. my dad on my birth certificate. Are you the one time? I'm the one time. Okay. All right. Got it. So it's pretty, <laughs> so I look like a white person, but I'm raised in a Japanese family and I'm actually legally Japanese American. Okay. So I talked to a lawyer about it. Like my birth certificate has my father's name on it, who raised me, not my biological father. And so I am biologically 50% Cuban. But I was raised in like an all Japanese American family. So I'm culturally Japanese, but I'm 50% Cuban, half, like 50% Cuban, 25% Japanese, and 25% like everything white. Okay. When you said Cuban, I thought you said human. And I'm like, <laughs> dang, man, she's really being racist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only half Cuban. <laughs> I actually almost all my jokes have to do with like uh how much I hate the word race. Like I hate the word race. It's it's I hate when white equals human. So uh, like I actually complain about that. White equals human, right. American equals human, everything else has a qualifier, right? Right, right. Okay, so your parents, uh, did you see like any, um, we're going to call your parents, your ones that raised you, okay? Yeah, exactly. So my dad who raised me is who I called dad. Okay. The other guy's my biological father. I give him a robotic title or his first name. Okay. So uh, did you see, like, were they affectionate with each other? Did you see that they loved each other or? That's a super funny question because, (laughs) because, uh, you know, Japanese in Japan, they don't touch, they bow, right? They bow. Like, you don't even shake hands when you say hello to someone, you bow. And so couples don't really hold hands in public or anything like that. So one time my dad and my mom were on the couch, and one of them was leaning on their right elbow, tilting their head, and the other one was leaning on the other side, tilting their head. Like, their heads were still four inches apart, but I was like, oh, they're cuddling. Oh. <laughs> Like, that's how much, like, my family, like, people don't touch each other. My parents don't hug or say I love you to me as their child. Like, people don't hug. People don't say I love you. So, like, 
I was, as a little kid, all the men in my family are Japanese. My grandma's white American. Uh, my, but everyone else is Japanese American or half Japanese, all the men. So culturally, Japanese American men don't really talk to children. They acknowledge them with like a nod, but they're not like, hey, little girl. <laughs> so I, I was like, afraid of white men as a child I was afraid of white men because white men would come up and say hi little girl how are you and I'm like ah! yeah I, I every white man was like trying to molest me because culturally it wasn't normal to be like move your voice up and down and get close and say hello right. like to me I was like what is <laughs> like wow. so, so I grew up with kind of a uh... no I was Cuban till I was 19 and so if you really think about the differences between being Japanese American and being Cuban American, my fan, once I found out I was Cuban, half Cuban when I was 19 years old, uh, I was like, oh, she doesn't hate me. I'm just Cuban and she's Japanese. So like she, like I would try to hug her and she'd kind of push me away. Like she wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. And, but like, you know, it, most Latin cultures hug and kiss acquaintances or maybe even people they just met that day and so I needed more like I had more skin hunger to be touched just and it sounds racist but it's just there's some biology to wanting to touch people and there is also some biology to my whole family being like what so so my do you still feel that like you like to really want to touch people or yeah yeah I'm I I'm a hug person and so uh one of the like it's funny my one of my uncles most people in my family are on my dad's side is they're all Japanese 100% Japanese but my uncle married um someone from Honduras and like it was the best thing to happen in our family because she had no clue how Japanese Americans act so she would just hug my grandma and kiss her and she'd be like my only mother-in-law and like would be like super affectionate and like we're like wow (laughs) We love our auntie. <laughs> like, Got a little spice to life, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so as far as like touch goes, it's not normal for people to touch or say "I love you" in my family. But in my body, I, I don't know. Even in, uh, even in my marriage, it was kind of a thing. Uh, I've been married twice and divorced twice, but like I married a British guy, so. British guy does not have as high a drive as I do, believe it or not. <laughs> and like, I just like loved him as a person and loved his person. I, I mean, we still like, we'll have coffee and talk for like four or five hours. Sometimes we'll just sit and talk for hours. He's super brilliant, smart, fun, funny, but like physically, like we were not a match. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can imagine yeah (laughs) have you had these similar experiences yourself um when I was younger and I was just kind of dating more uh whenever I had boyfriends they never wanted sex as much as I did oh wow and it wasn't until I met like uh Noah's dad that uh he was a sex addict so I find oh I finally found my match yeah well I learned a lot about bad stuff there but uh oh well yeah I uh, so I think I've found a happy medium now 
Oh, okay. Do you have a current partner that you're well matched with? My husband, yeah. Uh, oh, okay. How long have you been married? Uh, it'll be 13 years next week. Oh, wow. Uh, and, uh, anniversary. and this is my first husband. My my ex oh. a, a live-in, you know. So I waited till I was 49 to get married. I was like, yeah, I don't know if I want to do this. Oh, so, wow. Sounds yeah. like the, like you made the right choice to to wait um definitely so, so the the sex addict stuff my uh my first husband had that issue and yeah it did not end well there was some violence towards me there was some bad stuff happening towards me uh and he when we split up he like toured with his band who's like a musician and he got had a really bad drug problem he toured the world had a really bad drug problem but then when my child was about like five or six he quit his band, he came home, he did AA and SA, um, Sexual Addicts Anonymous, and then he got his master's degree and just like totally cleaned up his life and uh, became involved with my child again. So uh, my child had a gap of like five years of just having no dad, which was very intense and I think still affects my child as an adult. Um, but I'm glad that, I mean, he didn't my ex-husband didn't recover enough to have like a real relationship with him, but I'm glad he recovered enough to be a, a pretty good dad to my child. Well, yeah, but, well, you know, but it was a, that's a hard life to live. Uh, cause I don't know about your sex addict, but mine was constantly cheating on me and, uh, really, really messed me up really messed me wow. up yeah that so like it sounds like he cheated and would say sorry but you'd take him back and then he'd cheat again kind of thing like but, oh that sounds terrible that sounds like really an emotional like a basically a head fuck right the whole time to have someone he probably acted super affectionate too so you wanted to believe him yeah that sounds really hard uh, i'll never do it again and you know believe well anyway Many years of Codependence Anonymous helped with that. Oh, yeah? On my behalf, yes. So Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't have the cheating so much. He was more of a, a solo porn and strip club person. He, oh, wasn't, he wasn't physically cheating, but he was... Um, mm, he was more interested in pleasing himself and not another human being. And then the drug use caused some physical violence towards me so it was more the physical violence from the drug use that i'm like right yeah we're not, we're not doing this anymore yeah. <laughs> we're not doing this anymore so uh yeah we mm, i think my baby wasn't even fully one yet when we split up but it was around that age mm -hmm. around like just under one or one so um yeah so I mean I have one child yeah that's my stand-up joke I don't know if you've heard it but I got married when I was 20 had a baby and got divorced then I got married when I was 30 had a baby and got divorced and now I'm 40 and I'm not a fucking quitter <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I, I have um my oldest is 22 and then my uh my youngest is seven so they're 15 years apart obviously a lot of stand-up material there as well mm -hmm. <laughs> because i uh 
43 right now. And my mom was 41 when she became a grandma to my oldest child. And so I'm two years older than my mom when she became a grandma. And in a lot of ways, I'm like a grandma to my child (laughs) because like, like everything she does, I know it's going to fly by so fast. Everything she does, it's going to fly by so fast. So I just, I'm living it up. I'm just living it up with these years. She still loves me. Mm -hmm. And at some point it's just going to turn and she's going to be too cool for mommy. But now I'm like, yes, matching outfits. (laughs) You know, I remember, I remember when my son, nobody, nobody really tells you this, but I remember when my son went through the phase of not liking me and it was so heartbreaking to me. It broke my heart. Like I didn't like, oh, I didn't know, you know, I knew that how kids are and how they act around their parents, but I didn't think it was going to happen to me. Even if someone told you you wouldn't know how gutted you're going to be by it. Like, even if someone told you, like, someday your kid's going to hate you and it's going to really gut you, you'd be like, okay. But then when it happens, you're like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) Like, like, uh, it's a very, uh, those are hard years, but, like, it's actually a healthy part of development. Right. Like, a kid wanting to be independent from their mom is a healthy part of development. So even just, like, when my son moved away to another state, I was like, I didn't call him for maybe a month, like three weeks or a month. And as, because I knew I was going to beg him to come home. I knew I was going to beg him to come home. And I was just like, Orchid, be cool. You did a good job. He's going to survive. Just let him do his thing. Don't tell him to come home. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just so hard. To, but it's like, but it still hurts all those years. The I hate you. Right. Years. right. Yeah. Well, you know, I, in some ways I was lucky that my older son is very disabled. So he's always my five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old. He's always hmm. going to be in that. I adore mom stage. So. Oh, what? So while they're oh, still. So you were super not prepared for the hate years. Yeah. <laughs> you were just like. Super not prepared. Oh my right. god! So your older son that's disabled. How old is he? He's thirty-eight. Oh, and then he lives with you, and you take care of him, or you have a caretaker. Yeah. Oh, nice. and he gets Thanks. up every morning and says, "You're the prettiest mom in the whole wide world." Yeah. Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's lovely. That's <laughs> yeah. lovely. Yeah, I would I would accept that compliment. <laughs> All right, that's so let's nice. go back to like when you were a kid. And do mm-hmm. you remember like your, I want to call it a sexual awakening, but that is just like, to me, when you first noticed, hey, there's something going on in this world that I previously didn't realize. So it could well, be I'd, a way. When I was- would love to tell you about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so I was like maybe 14-ish when I started to like notice boys right but I was extremely religious I was extremely religious and I was celibate and so it wasn't in my mind for it to be an option at all like it just wasn't in my mind at all and um I I was so innocent I was so innocent about sex like I didn't know a penis got hard until I was raped (laughs) like I know that's like a terrible thing to say but like 
that's a bad surprise to know that little about sex to right. you know the, you know the first time I was penetrated was an unwanted it was like he was 18 I was 15 I said no it was covered up by my church that it happened like it was a bad 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 situation and so that was when I was 15 so but because I was religious, I didn't really count that as my first time. I'm like, no, I said, no, it doesn't count. So I still felt like in myself a virgin in a way, even though I technically, you know, depending whose scale you look at, that was not an awakening. That was a destruction, right? And then my marriage was the second person I had sex with because I was celibate to get married, right? And then he was always like a little bit abusive. Um and he just always did things to kind of hurt me. And so I kind of joke that I feel like the first time I had sex was after I had a baby <laughs> with my first husband. Like, so like after my first husband moved out, I had a straight up one night stand with somebody who was gross. Like he was a gross guy. He was just somebody in my theater group. He was <laughs> such a silly thing, but he was just like, he was a gross guy. And um, so I slept with this guy and while we we're having sex, he, I didn't even hear myself say the smallest owl. I just said owl and he jumped off of me and he's like, are you okay? And I was like, I was a little shocked because I was used to someone wanting to hurt me. Right. Mm. And then, and then he's like, made sure I was okay. And then we finished having sex. And then like, I woke up the next morning being like, I feel like a woman. <laughs> Like, I was like, I understand the word womanizer because now I do feel like a full person. Like, I felt like I wasn't a person before that moment. And it, it sounds sexist to say sex turns you into from maiden to woman, but it did. And like, but it, it's so funny that I got married, had a baby and got divorced. And then I had sex for the first time. <laughs> like, and like, even though that guy was such a loser, oh my gosh, he was such a loser. He treated me with kindness. And that was like the first time someone treated me with kindness kindness in a sexual way. And like, I totally fell in love with him. I fell in love with him so much that like, you know, it wasn't, I intended it to be a one night stand. He intended and succeeded. <laughs> but I like drunk dialed him a week later to be like, why'd you leave me? The drunk dial, an important part of my sexual awakening. Right? Like, that, like that, the sex was so good. It was like I totally chemically bonded with this. Like I said, he was not someone I would choose out of a lineup, you know. Right. But after that, I felt like I was like, oh, okay, so sex can be pleasant. Sex can be good. I can enjoy sex, and that was like a really important time for me um and how old were you then did you say maybe 22 yeah 22 so like 20, 22 was the first time I felt like it was consensual I enjoyed it and I felt good afterwards and I just like I really did I just like every cell in my body I was like I feel alive I feel like a woman like the next day I just felt like a woman felt like a whole person and 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 then um yeah so that was probably the like the most thing I could say as an awakening uh and then um 
so I was, I don't know, I, I've had multiple probably awakenings, but they, I might, uh, you might have other question, follow-up questions that I could answer <laughs> or. Okay. Um, so sex probably wasn't discussed in your house at all. Oh no, no. So how did oh. you find out like about how babies are made and stuff? That's a really good question. So my, um, my mom grew up with like four stations on TV, right? Like there's not a ton of, and then it was all clean before 8 PM, right? That's what my mom grew up with. So she had no idea what it meant to have unlimited cable in the eighties. Like she just had no idea. So like, I was like, I had Showtime, I had HBO. I, you know what I mean? I had MTV, like I, there was, and they don't have an after 8 PM thing. It's just all day. You could watch Madonna's Truth or Dare. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. all day. So like by the time I was five, I thought I knew everything there was to know about sex. You know, like that's naive, but like I saw way more sex than I should have as like a small child. And then on top of, you know, my, like I don't blame my mom. She didn't know. Like I said, she had four stations. She doesn't know what unlimited cable means. Um, so and I, on top of that, both my parents worked, so I was a latchkey kid. So I, you know, I'd come home from kindergarten, I'd pack my own lunch, walk to kindergarten, come home, open my own door, babysit my brother and sister. So I had no supervision and unlimited cable. Uh, this really funny thing happened where I think I was 11 years old, you know, five years after having unlimited cable. <laughs> she came home. <laughs> I was 11 and my mom was like, the Simpsons you can't watch the Simpsons that's an inappropriate show <laughs> and I'm just like wow really late for a cartoon dad that burps <laughs> you know after years of I don't know I don't know I was exposed to way too much so no one talked about it no one talked about it at school or home or in my family but I had unlimited cable. And so I had, a. I think it really did a little bit warp my mind about what, what is meant to happen because it's like everybody is portrayed as there's only one thing men value women for. Right. You know, and, it, and also if you think about the eighties and nineties, there's like, there's a rape in almost every movie. Just even just like Revenge of the Nerds has what would be considered sexual assault right now. Gone oh, right. with the wind has a sexual assault. Like almost everything, you know, everything pre-2023, it's like that was seen as sex when somebody says no and someone forces them. And that's, it's not what the law says in the state of California. You know what I mean? Like that's not, you know. So I think when, like, especially when I was in my young 20s and I was acting, I just expected everyone to try to trick me into sleeping with them. I just expected it. But then when no one did, I was like, oh, okay, no big deal. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, guess, I guess every producer is not a skeezy person. Right. But, you know, a lot of them are, but I just wasn't surprised by them, I guess. I was more expecting that. Yeah, it's easier to dodge something if you're expecting it to happen. Yeah, I guess that's true. That's true. Um, sure. Did you have a celebrity crush when you were younger? I was just talking about this the other day. I didn't really. Oh, wait, wait. I had a crush on the Robin Hood Fox for sure. 
Well, I didn't have any, I didn't have a crush on a human celebrity, except for when I watched Guy Pierce in Memento. But I didn't like him in other movies. But that was the first time I felt something. I'm like, oh, I'm attracted mm-hmm. to this person. Mm-hmm. But other than that, no celebrity crushes. I didn't really, ha- I mean, unless you count the Robin Hood cartoon box. That was, I, I had feelings for <laughs> that cartoon box. I've never heard someone say they had a crush on a cartoon box. What? I've heard other people say they had a, a crush on the Robin Hood cartoon fox. And really? like I I married a British guy. Mm-hmm. A British guy who dressed well and and identifies as a cartoon fox. <laughs> He's got cute little outfits. Like <laughs> you know how like some men are like big dogs where you're like <laughs> like they're just like you know that they're like you or not, like big dogs, you know, the but like my ex-husband's like a little dog in like a little sweater. He needs to be cooed over. Like, oh, look at you. You're adorable. <laughs> but he's cute. Cute sweater. So do you, do you commonly think of people as an animal? <laughs> I didn't think I did until I just heard my silence. <laughs> I'm saying out loud right now. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. No, I just think that men, men can have either like kind of higher testosterone grab what they want energy where you you know just like a big dog you're like get off the couch <laughs> you know like <laughs> don't ruin the furniture uh, or they're like little dog chihuahuas who wipe their little paws before they enter the house you know what i mean there's just like there's a different love there's like a scale of testosterone i think uh and, and, and there's a spectrum for women as well and i'm a little higher on the aggression side uh for well, you know, I don't know. I, I guess I'd be an eight out of 10 on the aggression scale. <laughs> like I dress femininely and I wear makeup and I always wear dresses, always. Uh, but my energy is like, I'm a boss, you know? Like everything I do, I'm kind of in charge. So uh, I've directed movies. Everyone just does what I say, right? They don't question me, they just do what I say. I Even just like teaching yoga, people do what I say. <laughs> Or stand right. up. You're right. Yeah, it's just like a lot of things I do, I'm used to just people like obeying me, which is honestly not great in relationships that I'm used to being obeyed. <laughs> no, I get I'm it. working on it. I, I got that on it. I got that same trait. I yeah. did. And I had a question and then I just like, Phew. okay, let me go back and think what you said. About being animals, about people being animals. No, no about being like the, the person that everybody listens to and um Oh, do you find it hard to like, like partner with people because you are used to just doing everything your way? Yeah. And I've been kind of seeing this guy who's the same way. Like I, you know, I've been talking to him about it. I'm like, I'm like, this is how you run your household. This is how I run my household. We're both in our previous relationships used to being in charge. (laughs) How are we going to find the middle ground? Right. we're both used to being kind of in charge or having things our way and uh you know like I think money is a big thing with that too like um I'm used to earning more money than my partner like with the last I don't know the last 10 guys I've been with I've earned more money than my mm-hmm. partner um and so sometimes that's like gets to people's ego a little bit 
but if it doesn't get to their ego it kind of bothers me too because then they're just like oh you're gonna pick up every check because you make more money than me like then i'm like what i don't want that i don't want that either i don't want an appendage (laughs) but like i yeah so i'm working on trying to be more i don't know diplomatic and not just in charge and i use my voice in a, a very authoritative way and so like I don't know, I was just with my sister and we were about to cross the street and I'm like, now. And the way I said now, people around me jumped and started walking. Like, I better obey her. <laughs> so it's like, even strangers obey my commands sometimes when i not even trying to talk to them. So uh, part of, you know, it's like I have a theater degree and a lot of the training is voice. And I learned, you know, I talk through people's chests, right? I talk through them. So they feel it and I'm not just letting it drop to their feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then sometimes it's too intense for like an equal partner for me to speak in a way, you know, for example, like women go up in the end of their sentences. Is this okay? Hello? Hi? <laughs> but I go down even mm-hmm. when I'm asking a question because that's what men do, right? Men go down even when they're asking a question and that's uh, a way to be authoritative right that's a way to seem uh, like you know what you're talking about and so but then sometimes in relationships it's like that's not the traditional female role to be like this is how it goes like the note is this is how it goes like not this is how it goes (laughs) (laughs) all right so does that follow through into the bedroom are you like take charge in the bedroom no i like to be dominated (laughs) Uh, that question's making me blush, but I will answer it. Uh, yeah, so I, I feel like I need someone, I enjoy someone physically stronger than me. And I want someone with as high of a drive as me. Uh, so it's not that like, <laughs> oh my God, I'm actually pretty physically strong. So I, I do yoga at least 12 hours a week at least that's a lot of yoga right and people think of yoga is wimpy but I teach kind of like a boot camp style yoga and uh, so I'm strong (laughs) one time I was sleeping with this guy in like a it's like a super nice hotel in Beverly Hills like it was a nice place Uh and I I was on with this guy and I I don't know I was like I don't know I had just directed something and I felt important and it was in like a film festival but like anyways we were having sex and I kind of tried to just adjust his body I just tried to move it like an inch differently than it was like to get a different angle and I threw him over my head (laughs) and he hit his head on the headboard and kind of like fell down and I was like oh no I I fuck like Lenny like I I feel like men Lenny level (laughs) oh no I broke him (laughs) but I don't I don't prefer that I don't prefer being bigger and stronger I don't I'm not like I'm not not a if I've dated guys shorter than me I don't mind I don't I'm not I'm still attracted to people smaller than me but I accidentally might throw them (laughs) (laughs) you have the greatest smile because you have what you have one face and then when you smile, it's a totally different face. Does that make any sense? Yeah, 
well, I was a super innocent child. I was a very innocent child. And I was just like, happy, play all the time, right? And then like, bad stuff happened to me. You know, I described a couple bad things that happened to me, but like, worse stuff happened. I mean, you can imagine um, what it would be like in a, a Japanese American family. You don't talk about problems ever. You just don't talk about problems. It's part of a lot of Asian cultures that if there's a problem, you don't bring it up to not embarrass anybody. It's called saving face, right? You don't embarrass anybody. And so to be like basically the bastard child, I was the bastard child and we couldn't talk about it. And so people were uncomfortable. So people outside my family would get in my face and be like, who's your real dad? Like that's an intense experience from birth to 19 to have to lie. That's an intense experience. And then I also had, um, like I was, I was the ugly smelly kid in elementary school. I was super unpopular, I was super unpopular. And then when I was like 14-ish, I was able to dress myself and I learned to do my own hair. And then I was suddenly the very hottest. So I went from the ugliest, gross kid to the, everyone suddenly wanted to date me. And where I grew up, they were the same people that teased me as a small child that suddenly wanted to date me as a high schooler. And it, they both felt... They both made me feel very unseen to be the ugliest and the hottest. I felt like this is not the real me anyway. They just wanted to own my face. They wanted to own my mini skirt. That didn't feel validating at my humanity, right? And then no one wants to be the kid who's teased constantly. And so, you know, my I think by nature, I'm like giggly hugs. Let's be friends. Let's be best friends. You know, and I'm still a little bit like that, but I have to have someone of a hardened exterior so I'm not just constantly exploited so uh I know it sounds immodest for me to say this but I have a pretty high IQ like book wise I have a high IQ um but if I act too cheerful people assume I'm the dumbest person in the world <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> so, so it's a little bit like my voice authoritatively I use my body language authority but it's just also just not I was sexually harassed at every single job I've had from like 16 to 43. Like my current job right now, my current job at age 43, um, I have the loveliest boss. And he's the only person who's not sexually harassed me as a boss. Like as a waitress, and I'm sure this happened to you too, as a waitress in my early 20s, I'd get sent home from shifts for not responding sexually to my boss. And right. that was that felt like a death threat. Like the word sexual harassment sounds like someone is just like, I like your pink and gorgeous sweater. And then the, the woman's like, I am enraged. How dare you? But that's not what it is. It's yeah. I can't pay my rent and pay for my child's food because I'm sent home from shifts from work because I don't respond sexually to my boss. And the as a single mom, that was freaking terrifying. Like I, I had a job answering phones at like a software company and I would get skis on by these men. And it, as a young girl, I mean, 21, 22, 23, 24, all those. Yeah, so the I have to have a tough exterior just based on I'm considered pretty, <laughs> right? Like being considered pretty, I 
as innocent or happy, people really want to own that. And uh, it's scary for me, you know? So to act like I won't back down from a fight is what's kept me alive in a lot of situations. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Do you feel like you developed a little bit of that yourself, like a tougher exterior just to survive in this world? Or what was it like for you? Um, well, uh, I was a very shy, shy, withdrawn child, like afraid to talk to anybody. And I don't know, just at some point, I kind of just went like, this is not serving me. And I don't even really know when it happened. You don't know when that kind of, I don't really even know when that happened. Yeah. It was, yeah. I don't even know it, but, uh, I'm a Gemini. So my whole life, I look back as there's everything's double. Like I was really shy, but I did this and I, you know, like two things together that don't make sense. So people now they see me on stage and they're like, you're not shy. And I'm like, no, I totally am. A lot of comics are extremely shy in their personal life. I find that more than not comics are extremely shy in their personal life yeah put me at an open mic i don't talk to i don't i have a hard time talking to anyone oh really yeah i actually extremely social but most comics i know are not (laughs) like i you know love people a lot and i love talking and the times i feel shy for a second i'm too interested to know the other person's story to feel self-conscious so Uh like mm, like as a yoga teacher everyone who comes through the door I know their names and like a little bit about their backstory and then I I I teach Monday Wednesday Friday so the same students come every day and then I get to watch them grow and change and then that like I get so much satisfaction (laughs) like so yeah I I I am not shy I love hearing people's stories I love knowing a lot I have a lot of acquaintances um, I don't, I guess I don't have a ton of close friends, uh, but I have endless amounts of acquaintances for mm-hmm. sure. And I do have like a general, this sounds so corny and so yoga teacher of me, but I do have a general love for humanity. Like I love people and I try to find like something special or important about everyone I, I meet. Um, obviously I have dealt with some violence. Um, so uh, that slows me down a little bit. And uh, the openness allowed some of the violence, but it, it would happen anyway, right? So I try not to find blame or judgment and I try to stay myself and be as open as possible. But, you know, I, I think you're right to point out, I mostly have a frown <laughs> until I'm laughing. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. What's your definition of amazing sex? Mm, okay, I have, I uh, so... <laughs> is really funny <laughs> so many metrics to sex right like how long does someone last like how's their cardio right like cardio that's important um how much does someone listen to and respond to what i'm saying how much does someone listen to respond to my body language and my words right those are two separate metrics mm-hmm. um then like obviously people talk about like the size of organs or not like that kind of matters but not as much as just being like emotionally present and uh, I think 
I've basically studied sex academically. Like I've taken workshops, I've read books, um, and then I've gone through my own sexual trauma and then come back from it um, enough times <laughs> that I, right. like I um, I teach pole dance to survivors of sexual assault as well as um, people who just had a baby. So people who don't feel sexy at all. Um, I teach classes and it's not really even about the acrobatics of the pole or the sexiness of being a stripper, right? It's not about that. It's really about just being connected with your five senses. So for example, like, how do you like to be touched? So like, do you like to, so all the women, just picture the women in a circle on their mats. And I'm like, do you like to be touched like this and touch yourself softly, right? And then I'll be like, well, what about firmly, like a medium pressure? What about a scratch? What about a firm? And I just have like people feel what their body likes to be touched because no one can make you come if you don't know what you like, right? And so I feel like it's on me to know what I like or not. Like, do I like soft music? Do I like loud music? Do I like um, warm temperature or cold temperature? You know what I'm saying? Like, like what smells do I want in the room? So I'm really into like, what are the five senses? and making myself as comfortable as possible. And then, you know, with women especially, you need a good 24 hours before the sex that you feel com comfortable. You need someone to make you feel respected and cared about a whole 24 hours. You, you know, otherwise you're not fully aroused. You know, there's things like it takes 20 minutes. So a vulva can expand to four times its size, but it takes approximately 20 minutes. Men usually have an erection or not, but women, it takes 20 minutes. Um, and so a lot of men don't understand that. And so a man understanding how long it takes for a woman to be fully aroused, that's super hot. And that's another separate metric, right? <laughs> like someone who knows how long it takes to for a woman to be fully aroused. And, you know, I think about it a lot that... Um, you know, that the vulva increasing in size, there's almost like padding around the urethra, the vaginal opening and the anus. So it's like a balloon around all of it. And that is why sex feels good. If you're not fully engorged, mm -hmm. it hurts. It pokes your organs. It can hurt joints, connective tissue, all that stuff. So... I talk about it a lot in my stand-up as well because it's like the opposite of rape is not just not sex. It's not celibacy. The opposite of rape is making a woman come really hard, right? <laughs> and then there's so many ingredients to that. There's so many ingredients to that. And so when it, so I, I gave some like <laughs> quantitative um, <laughs> requirements of... <laughs> cardio, understanding my body, making me feel safe, having the five senses be good. Those are kind of the quantitative. But then the qualitative, I like sex that's so good, I can't just talk and crack jokes through the whole time. <laughs> I tend to want to crack jokes. So sexy when people think I'm funny, right? I feel so sexy if someone's like, if someone tells me I'm funny, I will come. Yeah. I, I don't even have to be, ha be having sex at the time I will come <laughs> but uh it's in my mind to crack really just messed up jokes during sex and so I, I just have to shut up but I 
I just want to say terrible things like your eyes are so blue like a fetus <laughs> or something terrible that like makes me laugh because it's messed up I want to say anyway so I just shut up but if someone's good enough in bed I can't speak anyway like I like that I like that level uh and then uh I you know I tend to have multiple orgasms just in general if someone is even half decent I I know what I like so I know how to make it good for myself right um so that's another <laughs> I'm having such a good time answering this question but <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah someone who knows somewhat a person needs to know how to make me have an orgasm orgasm but I also know what will make me I know what will make me feel safe I know what will make me feel good I know what um angle or position I like uh but I do like an authoritative quality in the person I'm sleeping with like um like I like to be picked up and bent over a dresser you know what I mean like I like that I like my hair pulled I like to be spanked you know what I'm saying but if I don't like the person it's like don't touch me right <laughs> like but like if I'm aroused enough everything feels good right mm -hmm. <laughs> all right do you like uh do you have any interest in porn at all oh I hate porn I didn't say that yet did I <laughs> good question I don't like porn and uh one of my comic friends makes fun of me he's like because it in because it doesn't involve you <laughs> <laughs> so for me it's like one of the reasons like I was abused in my first relationship was because he was he watched too much porn and the porn was like crossed a line of violence it wasn't just aggressive it crossed a line and um uh so i you know that stuff happened to me late teens early 20s and then i had 20 years of nothing bad happening to me and then i was raped again in my late 30s and that was the worst of my life it was very very bad like the it was so bad it made the other things that happened to me seemed like a like a bump on the shoulder. Like it was, I, I, my body was hurt with the uh, very badly, and uh, like not just emotional therapy. I needed physical therapy, right? Like, like that's how much my body was damaged. Um, and and so, like my domestic violence expert witness that had to testify in court against this person described porn that that I was like oh wait he did mention that phrase that you just said it, you know I'm like and that was it was traumatizing to even hear about the porn being described that he was copying like the type of string me he, it wasn't just going beyond my no me saying no it was hurting my body and so like porn is just like not only is it like an emotional trigger because of my experience but I just this doesn't turn me on <laughs> like it doesn't turn me on I'm just like even if it were like wasn't porn, I'd just be like, it just doesn't do it for me. Uh, you think? I'm more sorry. What I think yeah. is that porn has turned a lot of men into bad lovers. I agree. That is not. We don't typically like it like they're showing it. Right. It, there's no foreplay and it's all pounding. Right. <laughs> no foreplay all pounding right like is that um 
it's not good that way right like um there's a book called um vagina by naomi wolf and she talks about the idea it's not foreplay she calls it the goddess array and she's like there are some movies that are not porn that kind of show the goddess array of how many you know like i was talking about like the different senses right. that um are made to feel safe so it's not it shouldn't even be called foreplay because it's part of sex and you're right porn does not have that if mm. it, it and like it's i don't I, I don't know um i feel like some women have told me that they like porn but i just you know i don't know a lot of women who are like yeah porn really does it for me right also like men masturbate too hard like they squeeze too hard and no vagina is going to be as tight as their fists and then it desensitizes them that's one problem uh they have these unrealistic scenarios and then they get habituated and it needs to be more and more and more violent until they uh they can't be aroused by a normal woman and so that's a second problem with porn you know, uh, I also have some friends who are um, survivors of child trafficking mm. that were in child porn that, you know, it affects their lives for the rest of their lives. Right. So that's, that's all. So, so that's scary. I mean, I, I'm sure there's some pornography in the world that is more gentle and makes sense to me, but I'm not, I'm not seeing it and I'm not looking for it. Right. Um, you ever, you I ever... want to stay sensitive in my body to an actual man and not a fictitious fantasy. So I think that's part of it too. Do you remember any like a mainstream movie that had like an erotic scene that ever did anything for you? Uh, I did like Black Swan. <laughs> I like the girl and girl and Black Swan, that was hot. But now, <laughs> I think someone else would... mentioned that too, that's funny. Well, movie that natalie portman was in and i am i'm vegan and they bought her a bunch of food she's vegan as well but she wasn't going to eat it she has to stay a size zero she's not going to eat all the snacks they bought her right. so i was like so i came i brought home from set and i'm like i'm gonna eat natalie portman's cupcake <laughs> uh yeah, that, uh, but that's that movie is still a horror movie. Like that's still a sad, terrible like right. scenario. But just an innocent person being like, "I want this," <laughs> you know, that's it was right. sweet. Do you? What uh, about you? What was yours? You say it in another episode. Uh, well, but... it's funny. As a young person, I watched this, thought it was very sexy. But the next time I went to watch it, I was like, "Oh, this is." Nine and a half weeks. Oh, no. <laughs> then when I went back to look at it, I'm like, well, this is really troublesome. I don't know that I really, you know. It's problematic. Yeah. As, you know, it was probably the least problematic thing you could have watched during that time period. Yeah. Right? I think it was the kitchen food scene that was just, you know, did it for me. Of course, fat girl, kitchen food scene. <laughs> <laughs> uh how's your body image uh i love my body i love my body a lot and it's offensive to people that i love my body and i uh, that's offensive to me that people are offended but like right. i like my body so like i uh i had i 
so remember when I was saying I transitioned, I had, I was like a ugly duckling to a swan a little bit, right? I have that little bit of ugly When I suddenly, I, go, I grew really tall. So I looked really thin. And so like there was another like girls in junior high's mom who approached my mom and was like, she's anorexic. <laughs> like I would get in trouble for just being normal. Like, it's like, I don't do anything to be thin. I just was thin. I mean, I played soccer, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, but I was always thin and people hated me for it sometimes. Like girl, it was hard to be friends with girls, honestly. Right. It's hard to be friends with girls because girls hated me for being thin. And then, um, now, mm, now I'm like 135, so I'm like a little muscly. I'm a little bit muscly. Uh, I'm 5'5", 135. And uh, my shoulders are so big, I can't wear lady coats. <laughs> like I have like really broad shoulders, but I still feel cute. I still feel cute. And then uh, like I, you know, I've had two babies. I have a little bit of a belly, uh, but I think it's cute. You know what I mean? I don't hate myself for having a little bit of a belly. Mm -hmm. um, I uh, I teach yoga in just like a bra top and I show my belly and I'm, I'm postmenopausal. I have a, I, I mean, I genuinely have a little belly. So um, I don't care. I'm beautiful. I'm a woman. I'm a full grown woman. It's okay for my belly to hang out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yep. and uh, another body thing is like, I used to have like a giant bush like I had a giant power to the people bush. <laughs> but then uh, I lasered everything off at some point. And sometimes I miss my giant bush because it's like, I'm a full grown woman. I have hair, you know, like a little bit. Of, there's that. Um, but yeah, like I, I've only fluctuated between like an eight and a zero. So the biggest I've ever been is an eight. So it's like, that's still thin. So mm -hmm. like, my um i have dated women who are considered plus size like i would never label anyone in a way that is seen negatively but there's there's kind of been a little bit of a tension about it and so it doesn't matter how beautiful i can say a woman is the rest of the world is telling her she's fat right and that is frustrating for me because no matter how much I can say to someone, I value you, you're so sexy, you're so beautiful, in herself, sometimes there's an unworthiness that I can't fill that pit. I can't fill that pit. There's too much of a, and so I get frustrated. Like I have a little bit of thin person privilege, right? Like I have not been emotionally abused for my weight. You know, I have not been emotionally abused besides just that one time of that parent complaining that I was anorexic when I was, right? Like that's, right. but in general, I don't get constant images telling me I'm the wrong size, uh, mostly because I don't watch TV anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I get frustrated that uh, I can't date the women I want to date because they don't like themselves enough. And the only reason they don't like themselves enough is because everyone tells them not to. And so that, like, it honestly, like, ugh, it crushes my heart. Like, it crushes my heart that, um, it crushes my heart how much, mm, I always think it's, like, more feminine and sexy to be curvy. Like, I think it's so 
hot, but that I get rejected for being higher on a hierarchy that I didn't invent. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So what, what do you think about what I'm saying? Do I sound like a bitch? <laughs> like, what do you, what do you no, think? No, you don't. Talking? No, you don't. Because uh, 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 I, I can't relate to what you're saying in some ways. I get what you're saying. I totally get it. I don't feel any uh, little bits of resentment, like, oh, this bitch, you yeah. never, you know, I don't feel that way yeah. at all. Right, I feel right. like you're at least uh, looking at all viewpoints of this, you know, like, uh, we we all have our things, whatever. We all have our great right. things about us and the things that we struggle with. And I yeah. see that you're looking at them all fully and wanting to appreciate yeah. a woman who may not appreciate herself because of how right she, yeah and I get frustrated because it's like I don't like having an external criteria be forced on me as what my criteria should be like I don't like that right like uh like you know I date men and women and I date some people who are older and that people are like that guy's too old <laughs> and I'm like <laughs> Yeah, but I'm attracted to like a whole human being like I'm attracted to like it's we're not what we look like on the outside and having the extremes of everyone thinking I'm gross to everyone thinking I'm hot like I'm like what about what's on the inside what about the content of my character what about uh my likes and dislikes and my passion and my my just human beingness just to exist like so I tend to like dating people who are older because it's I like people being really smart you know what I mean and it, like the body shape is secondary the the shape of their genitalia is like way further than secondary like I I'm, I'm dating a whole person and uh it doesn't really matter man woman or non-binary is this some person is this the person I appreciate and love and I feel seen with and who cares about me and it's almost like the same thing about like what makes sex good. It's the thing that makes sex good is feeling cared about and seen. Like feeling really beautiful and feeling, and I don't even need to hear the words you're beautiful. I, it's just like caring about what feels good to me or not does make me feel beautiful. Right. Um, how do you label your, yourself, your sexuality, you say you're bi. Yeah, I'm bi. I would or... say bi. I'd say bi. Like, uh, it's hard to say one is bi though because gay people, gay. It... <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing at my own stand-up joke about it, but like, <laughs> like uh, there's this saying that if women just date women and men just date men, they're called the gold star lesbian or gold star gay, and I'm just like, like a Costco membership, <laughs> like. <laughs> I don't need pussy in bulk, okay? I don't need to go aisle by aisle sampling pussy. I I don't have enough garage space. It's funny. <laughs> or extra individually wrapped pussies in my room. But like, I feel when I say I'm bi, people are like, are you really gay? Do you really like women? And I'm like, whoa. And it, it'll be someone I bought dinner for. Someone that I'm asking out. And so sometimes it's more comfortable labeling, just being like, yeah, I'm just kind of gay. I'm straight, but I'm just kind of gay. Because then I don't get a fight. Like, objectively, truthfully, I'm bisexual. Mm -hmm. But, like, it makes, the word makes 
people's skin crawl. And then men who are straight men sometimes hear the word bisexual and they think, oh, I get to have a threesome now. And it's like, no, you don't. Right. I am a monogamous person. I like one person that I sleep with only. Uh, or, yeah, I just, I don't like that. I don't like, I don't like that. It's still like a dehumanizing thing to be like, oh, now you are a sex object because you are bisexual, right? Like, no, I just sometimes date men and sometimes date women. And it's, uh, we're, you know, I'm here, I'm kind of queer and we're all kind of used to it. <laughs> all right. I got two questions left for you. So, um, I'm going to qualify this question because you have told me about some of the regrets of things that have happened to you sexually. Uh, do you have any regrets of things that you did sexually or that you, I'm not, I'm not talking about like yeah, I hear you. rapes or date rapes, but just things you thought. Oh, well, I should have done that. <laughs> yeah. I think it's like, I would never even put date rape or rape in the regret category. Cause you know, I truly don't, victim blame myself I don't blame myself I think if someone chooses to be violent against me that's their choice right. has nothing to do with me right but uh regrets hmm. hmm I think I don't have any regrets like I think like I tend to bond really a lot if somebody's good in bed I emotionally bond and if they're not good in bed why bother and so I don't sleep around like I can't have casual sex every time I think I can I'm like in love with someone and then I'm paying some crackheads rent <laughs> you know what I mean like I'm just like I'm like in love but like I, I think the person who comes to my mind when I hear the word regret I think about this guy he was so high all the time like his eyes face slightly different directions <laughs> like it was so high and like when we split up my friends was like oh it didn't work out with that guy the guy who looked at your yoga class and went back in your room to smoke pot it didn't work out with that guy or like like my friend teases me about it but like honestly even though he wasn't like a long-term partner I felt unconditionally loved by him like there was some quality he had that I was like what is this feeling that I don't have to change anything about myself and he's so attracted to me and likes me so much oh wait is this what unconditional love is <laughs> like, so I still even though that guy was not a long-term forever person he taught me something. And so I don't truly have a regret. Like, yeah. Was it annoying to fall in love with someone? Yeah. Was it annoying to be rejected by someone? Yeah. But overall, I can't say I regret that at all because, you know, I kind of opened myself up. I followed my heart. It wasn't my life partner, but like, um, he opened something in me that like my criteria went up a notch. Like I can't, I can't have less than this in the future like he taught me about unconditional love all right next question <laughs> uh do you have anything left on your sexual bucket list or have you done everything you ever wanted to do yeah i guess i have done everything um i have <laughs> so terrible but no i think i i think i have done everything i think the only thing left is to have a light a life partner that meets me at the same level, at the same level of drive. It's like, I don't know. It's like, I like, I like having sex together and sleeping together and waking up and having oatmeal together and having an old man walk together. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I, 
but I would like that with a whole package. I would like, um, I kind of like, I would like to be sexually matched with somebody who's also my life partner. And I've not ever, 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 ever had anything like that. Like somebody is either like, we're really matched sexually, but like our lifestyles don't match up or, you know, like my marriage of, you know, the guys with for 10 years, mm-hmm. like, we have the same values. We have the same value system. We love our child together. We, you know, we like the same movies, but just sexually, we just weren't matched up. So my only, I guess my only bucket list is to be loved wholly. <laughs> I believe you'll have that. Uh, Thank you. What's your Instagram handle? Uh, my Instagram is at Orchid Cameron, O-R-C-H-I-D-C-A-M-E-R-O-N. So Orchid Cameron. And then that's my same for Facebook, okay. Twitter, OrchidCameron.com. Um, there's only one other Orchid Cameron. And I, I do think it was one of my high school students. I used to teach high school, making a fake one of me. <laughs> I think I'm the only Orchid Cameron. Okay. Um, well, thank right. you so much. Well, we're done. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this and you're a lot of fun and I can't wait to talk to you some more some other time. So, yay. Thank you. All right. All right. Bye. Bye.